Alright guys, we're back at it with another week of King James Gossip. We took a week off, mainly because Jared was going to go on a trip. He didn't end up going on a trip, but who cares, because we're back at it with a great list of things to talk about. With that said, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Jared and Kyle Hesketh. How are you guys doing? Great. Doing well. Alright, so like I said, we have two weeks of things to cover, so we're just going to go ahead and hop right into it. We're going to start with our five-game win streak. We started with a game over the Bulls. I'm not going to lie, I got a feeling we were up really big in that one because I kind of forget how that turned out. I know we got the win. Weren't we up like 20 and they kind of pulled it back? Jared, uh, uh, any help? Yeah, we only scored 16 points in the third, so they cut the lead there. But we won the rest of the quarter, so GG. And then seven-point win over the Bucks, And I know the only really one that – Really, of all these six games, the only two that we're really going to spend time talking about is our two-point win over Toronto, Three which it was fantastic. But I think the problem with this game is what happens when we don't shoot 60% from the field. You know what I mean? What happened if we only shoot 50%, we may lose by 10. So is that – you guys, does that concern any of this, us that this, we this only won by was, three? This game was so frustrating to watch because there was absolutely no defense played. Uh, yeah, 161 points scored. Yeah, George Hill did really good. LeBron obviously did good. Kevin Love did good. Um, it was good to see George Hill be, be more aggressive because he hasn't had the best. He has been playing the best in the Cavaliers uniform. But I wasn't worried about the offense. It was the defense that was a problem. But we pulled out the W. Can't can't complain. From the box score, everything seemed very very normal between the two teams. I think the only thing moving forward that we have to stop is I feel like the last couple games we've really been eaten up down low. Maybe that's, especially in this game, maybe that was due to not having, oh, we didn't have Kevin Love for that game. Never mind. We didn't have Lance or Rodney Hood or Jetty. And I think the big thing was Pottle, Podal. Yeah. He was 8 for 13 from the field. Seven, 17 points and 8 rebounds from, I think it's Jakob, isn't it? Yeah. Jakob Pertle. Yeah, yeah, that can't happen. <laughs> seven, oh my word, seven offensive boards. Yeah. But, I mean, when you start, Kevin Love is your biggest, and then James at the four, and James is a great rebounder if he tries to be a great rebounder. We just, I think we just have to lock in more on the defensive glass. That's probably one of my only takeaways. Another thing to, like, look at, I look at for that game in terms of rebounding is Jeff Green is not a very good rebounder. And like you said, LeBron is if he wants to be. Uh, Kevin Love was your only legit rebounder in that game, and he was limited. I know he played 27, 28 minutes, but he was still limited. Um, so we got to think about that. Uh, having Nance out there and having Double T out there can change the rebounding numbers and can swing them 10 points in our favor. So, I think the one takeaway that I'm going to get from that game is that I know we weren't fully healthy, but – they played Jeff Green 38 minutes. And I find that very odd to me. Maybe it's just me, but he went from borderline 20, 15 to 20 in the last few games, partially due to injury, but 
he's also hit that 30 mark when people haven't been injured. So his the fluctuation in his minutes and how he's played and how he's started and not started seem very odd to me, I'd say. He plays a lot of minutes when he starts. That's for sure. He does. Yeah, he logged two games of over 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, the Cavs are 2-0 when he logs 40 minutes. So just play him more, I guess. And another takeaway from these past games. Tristan Thompson returns, and Ante Zizic does not see the floor. How sad, man. Man, some things just don't make sense for the Cavs. I don't get it. It's I think it's because you cannot sit a guy on the bench who's making $16 million. You know what I mean? And I feel like that might just be a thing with our society. Maybe not even our society, but it's like just because you paid a guy, you want to play the team that's going to perform. You don't just want to be like, oh, we paid him, so he's got to play. Yeah. And I think that was the and, issue that Tyron Lue had with uh, with playing uh, Derrick Rose and Dwayne Wade. He felt like he had to because those are the big-name players that that should play. Uh, theoretically or on paper, they should play, but it doesn't always make the best fit. So in terms of Tristan Thompson, like Ante Zidges may, may have been playing really, really well, but because of Double T and his name and how much he's being paid, like you feel like you feel obligated to play that. Play that guy. Play Tristan over to, over Ante, even though it may not be the best fit. And it's honestly pretty sad because when you look at it, Thompson has 37 games where he has scored less than 10 points. Like, are we comprehending how inefficient that is for our starting center? Mm-hmm. And Zizek had – let's check this out. He had four games, four out of the six games that he logged over 10 minutes in, he scored double figures. How, how are you just going to put that back on the bench, I guess? He's a much more skilled center than Tristan. That's not even close. And I think he does a very – he does a much better job rolling. And yep. I think the thing that I figured out about Tristan is I'm not sure we can blame him because we got to realize that he played four straight years of – deep playoff basketball and played every game while Kyrie love and James, they, they like collectively took rest days during those seasons. And I think some of that wears on players. That's why I'm not always to blame Tristan, but I'm starting to blame the coaching staff to where they need to realize that Thompson, he even said after his injury, he's not a hundred percent. He will never be a hundred percent again. And they need to stop just using him. Because they need to use him. Also, another another thing rant. these games, uh, Rodney Hood is he's he's doing good. He's improving very. Uh, oh, he's he's improving a lot. He's shooting more. He's shooting a lot with confidence. Um, the takeaway that we had against Miami, we shot four for twenty six from the three point line. The the only starter that made a three was Jose Calderon. Um, Jordan Clarkson hit a three, and then Rodney Hood hit two of them. This team, I can't figure out if they are a three-point shooting team or if they're a better attack-the-rim team. Um, I think with Hood in the lineup, they are a better attack-the-rim team, but I think they're changing their dynamic. I think when they get all their players back, they may be better at attacking the rim, but Again, a lot of it's surrounded around LeBron didn't have the best game ever. And if LeBron only scores 18 and doesn't have 13 assists, I'm not sure this team's ever going to 
beat even a mediocre Eastern Conference playoff team. I also think it's telling now that we're talking about Hood and Hill and the other players that have been playing for us. Is It's really interesting and telling to see the first game that Kevin Love comes back, George Hill goes 10 for 11 from the field. And Rodney Hood plays really well next to Kevin Love. They played in the pick and roll really well together. I think not only does playing with LeBron make things easier, but playing with Kevin Love makes things 10 times easier for LeBron and other players. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that was really it was really really cool to see George Hill have a breakout game the same game that Kevin Love comes back. And since Kevin Love has been back, George Hill's played pretty well, I'd say. Let's kind of transition into our first hot topic and I I think this was more on me, but I wanted to talk about LeBron and his case for MVP or the case to kind of reform the MVP because other other leagues kind of do a best player and then an MVP. So, I guess first of all, give me your view on just the MVP race in general. I think okay. we're all in agreement that James's numbers are arguably better, but we all think we all know that Harden's going to win it. In terms of advanced statistics, I actually think James Harden's numbers are better. Um, that's definitely up for debate, but I do I can understand where you're coming from. I'm pretty confident his true shooting percentage is better, just based on threes. Well, actually, I think LeBron is shooting better from three than James Harden. LeBron's shooting 36.2 percent. James Harden is shooting. 36.07%. So they're shooting relatively the same. However, James Harden does take 10 threes a game. So he is a better three-point shooter than LeBron. We can't argue that. And I think he's made the most threes this year. This is the thing. When we're talking about the MVP award, I think James Harden has the edge solely because of his team's record. They're, they've won 61 games. They have the number one record in the league. And the Rockets are completely balling right now. They, they they can't lose. It's it's um they're a really fun team to watch. And the way the Cavs have been unstable this year, I think that's been a knock on LeBron because he hasn't been able to lead them to a better record. They're forty four and thirty. Last year they were fifty one and thirty one. But so at the same time, LeBron kinda of went into how him keeping this sinking ship alive should right. bode in his favor. Which it should, but then again, you could knock him because at one point in January he didn't have a good he didn't have a good month. I think Skip Bayless um, dogs in him a lot for this. He had the worst plus minus in the whole league, but plus minus is a bit of a misleading stat. But we can get into that later. LeBron's averaging more assists. He's averaging more rebounds. James James Harden has him in points. And then, like I said, the record thing is a big stat. Um, the, I think. Go ahead. I think the thing that always gets me when talking about the MVP is really the dilemma between the other, the non-LeBron team doing really well and then LeBron just being really efficient. Well, this is the thing. This happens every single year. They always bring up the, the player with the team who's having the best record, even though last year Westbrook, that wasn't the case, but Westbrook averaged a triple-double. That never happens. So Man, that .5 rebounds over 10 really won him the MVP. Well, it did. So it, stupid. It, no, it, it did. It did. It shouldn't. So, the thing is, this happens every single year with LeBron. And then once the finals come around, everyone says, you know what, we actually should have gave it to LeBron. It happens every single year. It's, it's just it's redundant and it's repetitive, which that was redundant, but still. Huh. I, I can definitely see where we're coming from with with LeBron James Harden debate, but I mean it's also 
you could say LeBron should win every year, and I don't disagree with that, but you also could have said James Harden could have won it the past three years, or two years, not including this year. Uh, but obviously Steph had a great season, and the Warriors went 73-9, and nine, and then Russ had averaged a triple-double. So you could say that it got stolen from James Harden uh, back-to-back years. And I think this is going to be kind of like a pity type year. And I'm not saying he's having a bad year at all because he's not. He's averaging 30 points, 8 assists, uh, almost 9 assists, 5 rebounds, 1.8 steals. He's shooting 45% from the field, 86 from the free throw line, 36.7% from three. But, I mean, he is taking, geez, 10 threes a game. Mm -hmm. So um, I I can definitely see both sides of the argument. Uh, I, I, I don't know. It's kind of like you watch LeBron every single year. And like you guys were saying, like Jared was saying, you just kind of take him for granted. And then like you get to, he gets to the playoffs and he turns it up another level and you're like, Oh wow. We should have given it to him. It's it's the same thing. It's, it's so repetitive. Like you said. Yeah. Um, but no matter what we think it's, it's, this is James Harden's year. It sucks to say that, but how it is. I think the thing that kind of upsets me, and this is why I would push for, like, the best player MVP split, is because James LeBron James has struggled to lead his team to games continually and really put on the streaks, and he hasn't avoided slumps. So I can't – I can knock him for that. But scoring – he's only one of two players to ever put up 27, over eight rebounds, over nine assists, and over 50% from the field. Him and the big O when he played for the good old Cincinnati Royals, my hometown. And I understand everyone else's thought process towards that, but it's phenomenal. And he is the best player, and he should almost get an award for it. But on the flip side, James Harden's team is just, what, like 60 and 14? Yeah, they're they're 61, and they've won 61 games. They're incredible. Yeah, they're 61 and 14, and that's just – that just really overpowers any argument you even want to try to make for LeBron. It's just, exactly. it's pretty much the six rings, are, the six championships argument. Is that's all Jordan fans need? Is that's a flawed strings. argument, though. It is a flawed argument, but still, he's not wrong. It is the same. It's, exact it's the same concept. His numbers aren't as good, but all you need is all you need for James Harden is similar numbers in sixty-one and fourteen. Mm-hmm. All you need for Michael Jordan is similar numbers. Similar yet worse numbers and six rings. And just playing devil's advocate, like here, like James Harden is in a system where it's built around him and Chris Paul, and Chris Paul has been out uh, intermittently throughout the season. So James Harden has been able to carry a team, like you were saying, to the record that he has right now. Uh, But he also has, in my opinion, one of the best offensive coaches to ever coach the game of basketball. And the the Cavs have Tyron Lue. A second-year coach that really doesn't know uh, what this team's identity is and how to coach around the players that he has right now. I you mean, can't knock him a hundred percent for that, just because the changes in personnel, I think, and the, really the struggles with the ego. But keep well, going, because I, mean, I really, no, I, I, I like, where, I, I like can, the path you were on. I can dog Tyron Lue for that because Mike D'Antoni got a little bit of a change by getting two point guards, two ball-handling, ball-dominant point guards, and he still made it work. And Tyron Lue gets a bunch of role players. to the player that CP3 is. I don't know. I, don't, I, I guess you could say that, but I, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't buy it. I don't think Tyron Lue is that good of a coach. 
He's not. And Mike D'Antoni is going to win Coach of the Year this this year again. Definitely, it's definitely him or Dwayne Casey. Dwayne yep. Casey is doing a ma- magical work in Toronto. It's going to be uh, it's going to be D'Antoni. Should make a bet on that. I mean, last year they had co they had co winners, so they could they could again this year. But back to the LeBron the LeBron thing. Yes, he should win it. Yes, James Harden is having a great year. Um, but we can't be mad that James Harden is going to win it. He is having a great season. Yeah, and I have, okay. I agree with you. I have no problem with James Harden going to win it. I fully I don't believe he's having this. a wonderful season. I don't believe in this, but does anybody believe that they would do like a co MVP? Because no. I'm not. I think I may be wrong, but didn't they do that in baseball a couple years ago? In baseball, they have an AL MVP and an NL MVP. I I could have swore I heard they did like a co MVP in some sport, but I could be wrong. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm probably uh, wrong. MLB, it's fine. I need to MLB, check myself. Yeah, the MLB goes by conferences. Um, no, I don't think they will ever have a co MVP. Solely because if if it were to happen, last year would have been the year because James Harden, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Yep. Right. So, but they didn't. So I don't see that ever happening. Um, yeah, it's it's James Harden's year. All right, so we all know James Harden probably will win MVP, and we're just gonna plow through to our next subject, and we're gonna talk about a little bit of a down the stretch action because we have after the Hornets game, I believe we have seven games left. Correct. Uh, yeah, correct. And the problem is right now is I'm kind of feeling a late season, a very late season slump occurring are about to occur, especially with the 19-point loss in Miami. We have a couple harder games, one against the Pelicans, one against the Raptors at home coming up. Um, not, And we're 10.5 games out of first in the East, and the 76ers and Pacers are both 11. Do you guys think it matters at all if they somehow drop to the fifth seed instead of the third and they get Philadelphia – have Philadelphia has home court in the first round. They have to play against probably a healthy Celtics in the second round. Do you think that that pattern and how they played down the last seven games is going to impact their playoff or is going to have any ramifications on the playoffs? Yeah, this, this might be a little bit of a hot take, but if the Cavs drop to the fourth or fifth seed, I don't know if I can have any confidence in them and making it to the finals, let alone winning the finals. Um, if we drop to the fourth seed, we'll play Indiana. Actually, Indiana and Philadelphia are both half a game below us, so we could theoretically drop to the fifth seed, play, play Philadelphia, or uh, play – who would we play? We'd play either Indiana or Philly the first round. Um, right now, we, we'd play Washington, which I'm not ecstatic about, but I'm not, you know – It's a much better matched up than Indiana or Philadelphia. For sure. Um because Bradley Beal, you know, he's going to go off. But John Wall is a bit manageable in the postseason. Not a, not a, I mean, like, not a lot. He's not totally manageable, but he's a bit. And they, and he's got to work back into the system. So they'll be, they'll be in a tough place. But I don't think it's possible to catch Boston. We're seven games back. Um, I think if we stay in the third seed and play Washington first round. You know, I'll be I'll be okay with that. I'm not going to be happy because obviously I think we should have been able to get the, to the second seed with Kyrie out, Marcus Smart out. 
I'm not sure if Jalen Brown still and out, but he was. But... Everything was really trending in our direction too. It was. Like it was, but it was it was about 15 games ago, I think. It was, I think it was just about right when Kevin Love got hurt. Got hurt, where the Celtics were losing. They were on on like a five game losing streak or something like that. And then we had a window to where if we really wanted to push, we could have got that two seed. But to me, and I think you guys will agree, the two seed or the three seed doesn't matter. I don't want to drop to the four or five seed because I don't want to play the Raptors in the second round. That's my thing. I'm cool with the three seed. I'm not happy about it, but I'm content. If we drop to the four or five seed, the four seed will still have home court advantage over probably Indiana. But I'm I'm not going to be confident going into the playoffs if that occurs. I'm I'm not too worried about it solely because of just how we played with Love back. Um, I was worried about it pre, uh, Kevin Love returning. But uh, I think if we win tonight, expect Love to be back within the next couple of days, hopefully. And then I'm not too worried about us dropping at all. I think tonight is 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 a must win for us though, uh, for sure. Because I don't if if we lose tonight, chances are we will drop down to the the fifth seed, and I just don't. I, I'm I'm worried. I'm not like panicking about us not coming out of the East, uh, but it's it's a little more gut wrenching because being like LeBron being in the fifth seed is a little scary. That's just sound right. That's just doesn't sound right. Right. That's and that's my main issue now. Um, again, I'm gonna reiterate what I just said. With Kevin Love being back in the lineup and watching how we've played, I'm not really worried. So, it's the just, problem it's, is if we drop to the fifth seed, we don't have home court advantage in any round. Okay, well you you can take you can take this, uh, at however you want. But we haven't played well at home, anyways. We have a better away yes, record. We no, we don't. No, we don't. Pretty sure we. we I thought we had a better away record. No, we have a very that's that's a that's a false narrative. We have a very yeah, that's way different. Twenty five and eleven at home and nineteen and nineteen away. Yeah, we have a very good home record. Hmm. I don't. We think really I don't only have a good in conference record. We're thirteen and fifteen against the West. Right. I don't know why that narrative has been released that we don't play well at home. Um, because we, we literally only play well at home. Well, so yeah. So why would people say that we don't? I th- I thought we had one of the one of the worst home records in the league. No. Yeah, I don't know how that that got out there, but we we don't. We have a very good home record. The away record is what's scary. What's our home record? Nah, twenty five and eleven. So home court adv- home court advantage is key for every team, especially the Cavs. Yeah, and that's why I'm really concerned about a streaking seventy sixers because I don't think LeBron will lose in the first round. But I wrote about this on our website, King James Gospel, the other day. Is the only two teams that I would be scared about under the three seed in the Eastern Conference is the 76ers and the Bucks. Yep. And that's because length and the ability to guard LeBron. And I'm not saying LeBron can't go off on Ben Simmons, but I'm saying it's going to be harder for him to go off on Ben Simmons than it is like Lance yeah. Stevenson or James Johnson. It's just the athleticism and. Simmons is like six ten with like a six eleven wingspan, so just some just that matchup is not my favorite. And I think down the stretch, this team needs to pull it together. And from what I've seen all season, I'm not sure that they can. And especially without 
I'm pretty sure LeBron called Tyron Lue their leader, their captain. I'm not sure without Lou that they're really going to be able to pull it together. And I think the other aspect is they don't even know what rotations that they're trying to play. Yes, I was I was gonna add I was gonna add that, Nathan. I was. Because that's my guy Jackson, he's one of our writers. He did a lessons after the Miami game, after we got crushed by nineteen. And that was one of his key lessons that we learned was Larry Drew has no idea what he's doing with the rotation. No clue. And more than that, I don't think Tyron Lue has an idea what he was doing with rotations prior. Nobody to him, knows how know. to play these new players, and that is what we all feared when we got four new players and sent away six. Yep, because the thing is, Kyle Korver is out, so that's not helping us at all. Rodney Hood's on the bench, and we all thought he was going to start. Jeff Green is starting while we thought he was going to be on the bench because we all thought we, Larry Nance was going to We start. didn't even think Jeff Green was going to get minutes. Exactly. So, like, J.R. Smith is still non-existent. Well, he's still getting minutes. <laughs> this, this is the thing. I think we did this our last pod. I think we all agreed on the best starting lineup would be George Hill, Rodney Hood, LeBron James, Kevin Love, and Larry Nash Jr. And guess, out of just sheer curiosity, guess what they have yet to start? That exact lineup. What? Yep. You know, we should go make a... If I'm the head coach, we should go uh, take over this Cavs team. <laughs> Furthermore, I don't think Larry Nance Jr. and Kevin Love saw the court together yesterday. Who and who? Know. He got in the he got in the foul trouble real quick, last year. and then Kevin Love was only played seven minutes. Kyle, I thought yeah, he played... Love was out early, and since well, Nance I, I know, Jr. but start. still, like I would still like them this to get because when they did play together, they were very effective together. Right, I, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm not, I don't know what's going on. I would, I would give that a couple games though. Let K Love return and then get mad at that, but. I don't think you can he's quite. Played, he's played four games. And, uh, and how Lebr- much has LeBron, he played Nance? LeBron, Nance, and Love have the best net rating on the team. Well, Kyle, Nance just returned from injury. If Corver returns, I think that'll that'll cause some – or that'll create some cushion around the coaching staff. So it'll be like, okay, we have everyone back finally. Now we can create lineups, you know, right out the next probably, what, five games. See how this lineup does. Let them get acclimated with each other. You know, practice a little bit before pro season, and then, you know. To be fair, I think this whole dilemma that we're even really needing to talk about how the down the stretch is going to work really shows the impact that, like you were saying, Jared, that Kyle Korver has on the team. Because when he was signed, and I believe he's 36. 37. When he was signed to a three-year contract, I was like, Cleveland what in the world are you doing? He's yeah, going to be 39 happy. and making $6 million. <laughs> I was yeah. extremely happy. You may have been happy, but I was like, a one-year deal or a two-year deal makes sense. But we're talking, he's going to be 39 and making $6 million. At least, I would have went with the two-year team option after the second one. I don't trust that he's going to be great after those two years, but now we're seeing like, holy crap, Kyle Korver is exactly what we wanted him to be he's going to continue being that threat because that's all he's known to be. Mm-hmm. I think just without the team, without Kyle Korver on the team, you're, we're just seeing it all kind of falling apart. Offensively, we only scored 79 points last night. You have to assume that the spacing that Kyle Korver brings and the lack thereof without him really hurt LeBron because I'm pretty confident he only had 18. Yeah, he did. All right, what'd you have, Kyle? I think it also is telling that he, Kyle Korver, that he affects the game in different ways, even though it may not show up on the box score. Uh, he's a very good team defender. He's a very good rebounder. He's a very underrated passer. 
And obviously cutter. he's he's a shooter. Like he's incredible. He's a very underrated cutter. That that too. He's he just creates a... space. He 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 does flare screens. He causes uh, commotion on the defensive end. We you know he's a big part of our uh, offense. Yeah. All right, hundred percent true. I agree with everything said, and that's all we're gonna do for this kind of this topic because there's a lot to we could go on with that for hours. Really, the nicks and knacks about how the Cavs are really going to operate in the next seven or eight games and really into the postseason, how the seeding works, and just everything about it. But we don't want to go too long on just that. I really want to get into this uh, game that Jared hates so much that <laughs> I have uh, three new questions for. Yeah. Jared, yeah. Is, this, is this why you were late today? Were you just so mad that we're continuing with this? Dude, we need to, we need to scrap this uh, yeah. little game we have. <laughs> is it because you're f- almost in the sub-500s and, Jared and Kyle is 20-9? and nine? Uh, yeah, that's a big part. All right, well, let's, uh, let's try, let's go with this. Four questions. You don't have to get too mad. The Cavs only under 80 point game this season was last night. Facts. Facts. Yep, facts. Game. They scored 79 and that was the only time the Cavs have yet to hit 80, which again kind of shows us that we need Kyle Korver. Yeah. All right. The Cavs' only game shooting under 20% was last night. From three? Yeah. My bad, yeah. <laughs> Ball, they uh, balls. They shot 15%. Fiction. Yeah, no, no, that's fiction. Uh, you guys should check that because that is a fact. Damn. I don't think you guys understand how hard it is to shoot tw- under 20%. We've. I don't know. We've had. Some I, I feel like we've had pretty yeah. bad shooting. No, I, I definitely <laughs> agree. I just thought that. We've had some bad go at it. Yeah. All right. The Cavs have shot over 60% in a game this season. Damn, Back. that's hot. That's hot. Ah. I'm trying to think. We literally just talked about this game. Yeah, it was probably the Suns. Fact. Kyle, fact. In fact. Yeah, it actually wasn't the Suns. It, it was, was actually Toronto. against the best team in the Eastern oh, Conference. Oh, yeah, because we couldn't miss a shot. Like I said, they... we literally just talked about this game. Yeah, that one was uh, that one was kind of a gimme, I guess, if you were paying attention and really put the two and two together. As you can tell, right. I was. <clears throat> so this one's kind of on a different, different idea and kind of more with the seating in mind. But Ben Simmons has yet to have a 20-point game against the Cavs. How many times have we played them? Um, fiction. I'm gonna say fact. <laughs> There's just something about this game that I just love that Kyle gets it and Jared doesn't. Because <laughs> that's a fact. He's. I think it was like it's been like 12, 16, and 18. And I feel like almost that's almost a reason for me to not really care that we get the Sixers. Simmons can defend all he wants, but he can't necessarily has ever proven to score against us. If we're talking about, if we can go back to that a little bit, my problem, my biggest problem with the Sixers is for some reason, when LeBron plays his close friends, i.e. Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, (laughs) Chris Paul, and Ben Simmons for that matter, he plays like garbage. I'm not sure we're, uh, we're calling Ben Simmons a close friend right now, are we? 
Yeah, he. I'd say so. LeBron's uh, LeBron been like mentored him. Yeah, school. right. Yeah. I mean, I have seen that, but I feel like LeBron almost mentors every up and coming player, every up and coming superstar in the league. Right. But my thing is, I was talking to Kyle about this last night, and Max Kellerman from First Take um, commented on this too. When LeBron plays his friends, especially Dwayne Wade, he looks like he does not want to try or embarrass them, if that's the case. It just looks like he, he doesn't want to play. And that I don't know why that, that's the case with LeBron. He's too nice of a guy, maybe. Furthermore, this may just be like something that's just stupid, but he was wearing Miami shoes last night. And if we're if we're gonna comment on that some more, Skip Bayless from Undisputed said that he has a very close source to Dwayne Wade and Pat Riley, and the source has told him numerous times that that people in Miami and in the organization believe that LeBron James is very interested in returning there this huh. offseason. I just I just want to throw I, I I don't buy that. I'm just saying. Just a little insider facts for the listeners. There you go. That's why you listen. That's why you listen. All right. So next up, we got the game previews. And it's not, like I said every week, we still need a new name for this because it can't be the Shump Street Picks of the Week. That face. Because our homeboy is in sack. Yeah, because your homeboy will never be heard of again in sack. <laughs> All right. All three home games. Got a little three-game home stint. New Orleans, Dallas, Toronto, no back-to-backs. Oh, my God. Are we, are we including the one against Charlotte tonight? Should we include that one? Uh, yeah, because we didn't do it last week. Okay, so Charlotte, New Orleans, Dallas, Toronto. Yeah. I'm going to say we win tonight. We win against New Orleans. We win against Dallas. We lose against Toronto. Kyle? I'm going to go ahead and say uh, wins across the board just because I feel like they're must-wins. They are must-wins. So but... It's just me hoping, I guess, but I'm just going right. to go ahead and say all wins. I'm going uh, win-loss, win-loss. And I think for our listeners out here, I think they'll agree with me, personally because I'm biased on my opinions. But I think Anthony Davis usually eats us. And I think how he plays and if Kevin Love's back for the Pelicans game is going to be huge. Well, Love I guess played pretty well last game against the Pelicans, so I'm hoping that happens again. Yeah, different dynamic. Every game's kind of a different dynamic, though, you know? Yeah, well, especially mm-hmm. with Boogie not playing, I agree. All right. I believe that's thir- 13th or 14th episode. We're about to hit our playoff run, and that's all we have for you guys this week. We appreciate you tuning in. Uh, Kyle, you got anything left for him? Make sure you go on iTunes, give us a like, five-star rating, leave a nice comment. If you need to comment about anything or have any questions or you want to ask something about the show, feel free to get us on our King James Gospel Twitter, Facebook. And if you want to try to find us on Twitter, good luck. Plug over. See you guys.